0: Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're really pleased you've been able to join us for the program. Because if
1: you think Christianity is just so you can get to heaven, man, we need to have a talk. Because Christianity is about coming to know God.
0: Have you seen a shepherd in action? What do they do? Well, it might look a little different nowadays, but in biblical times a shepherd bore great responsibility to care for, gather, watch and lead their flock. That same picture is applied to the expectations God places on his chosen leaders, and it's not new. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah had some harsh words for the religious leaders of his time who were not fulfilling their roles as shepherds, but he also had a promise. Let's join Dr. Corbett now, continuing in the Jeremiah series tonight, The Righteous Branch.
1: We're, we're looking at this section, Jeremiah, the prophet who wept, and this section we're going to call The Righteous Branch. So we're in chapter 23, verse 1. Let, let's read this together. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. All right, so there's three categories, I think, of, of people that Jeremiah has in mind when he uses the word shepherd. And this is not me sort of being spiritually profound. This is me having read chapters 1 to 22. That's all that is, where he has denounced priests. He has denounced kings and he has denounced prophets. These three, I want you to consider these prophets, priests, and kings. Um, There was a bunch of people that were the sons of prophets. They felt that they had a lineage uh, because their dad was a prophet, they were a prophet. And. We're going to address this in this section in a moment, but they are the people Jeremiah has in mind when he uses this word shepherd. Woe. It's a Hebrew expression, that that three-letter word, woe. It's like the culmination of every curse possible be upon you, summed up in one word, woe. And so here we have this this statement by Jeremiah, woe. See, you understand, this is let every curse of the Bible be upon you, You shepherds, you people, prophets, priests and princes or prophet, priests and kings. Because look at this, who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture declares the Lord. We Read the next verse. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel concerning the shepherds who care for my people or perhaps in English we should render that who should care for for my people this is what God says you have scattered my flock and have driven them away and you have not attended to them behold i will attend to you for your evil deeds declares the lord all right so here's these these people Jeremiah's got in mind when he's talking like this now we get in in that section a clue of what God was actually expecting of these shepherds. And as somebody who takes seriously the call to shepherd, please pray for me that I can do a better job. I want to be a shepherd to you. I want to shepherd you well. I want to shepherd you better. I recognize that it's shepherds, plural, that God never fully invests himself through one person to shepherd people. There's always a multiplicity. There's always people that... Uh, partake in this role but look in this section can you see the things that God charges these shepherds with not doing you see you have not cared so the first thing God expects of shepherds is to care genuinely care and and, and in our church we, we want to be a, a New Testament church a biblical church and the New Testament describes God placing people in the church called elders who who are shepherds. It's the same Greek word. Um, I think the Greek word is poimen, which is is to shepherd. And it's translated pastor or shepherd. Or uh, There are other words which we're going to see associated with these three things. But notice this, care, really care. Secondly, they hadn't gathered. When we summon people to worship on a Sunday, it's not because we've got a, a, a sheet of statistics to fill out, to, head, to send to some head office and try and impress anyone. We don't. We, we actually think that when the Bible says in Hebrews 10.25, do not neglect to gather together. That's a command, not a suggestion. It's actually do not neglect to gather together if you're able to. Or if it's convenient, or if you feel like it, or if you're in the mood, or if you sense the Spirit. None of that. It seems as if there is something beneficial for us spiritually when we gather together with God's people. Every winter I'm reminded of this when I come downstairs and I come into my lounge room and there's the wood fire. Just embering away. And the first thing you've got to do is get the straggler little embers out and put them into the middle. So the the flame comes. Because it's in the center of the fire where there's the most heat. It's planted in God's house where there's the most likelihood of spiritual strength. And when you're in a spiritually strong place, you hear God better. You sense God better. And when you're planted in God's house, your focus is on him. And shepherds are supposed to gather. We're supposed to not, you know, as a shepherd, I'm supposed to say to you, come on, next Sunday, it's going to be really good. Or, or through the week, come on, let's meet this Sunday. Or, or, or home group, or or get the men together. And we're supposed to gather. That's what we're supposed to do. And home group leaders are under shepherds as well. Home group leaders gather. It's not like, well, we're going to open the door, see who turns up. We can't do that. We can't afford to do that as shepherds. We've got to be be ringing and, and emailing and texting and doing whatever we can to get you to, to gather because sheep tend to wander. And everyone said, bah, "Amen." And so the next thing we see these shepherds do is that they had failed to, depending on the English translation, it's either attend, visit, watch over. Oh, I'm just going to use this word watch. And, and it, it, can, it, it doesn't do, do it justice because it's not just watch, it's also listen. It's attend to, Um, I think the ESV has, yeah, attend. Um, And and we know it's not just drop in for a cup of tea or or because God says, because you haven't attended to the sheep, I will attend to you. Well, if it's, you know, because you haven't gone around there for a cup of tea, I'll come around and have a cup of tea with you. That's no threat, really. You know, it's not like, oh... Gee, okay, well, I better go and have a cup of tea with someone then, because I don't want God coming to have a cup of tea with me. That's obviously not what it means when it says visit or, or attend. In, in the, um, just the post-Reformation period, there was, uh, a, uh, I, I believe, a, a Scottish pastor. But this is what he did. He had 1,500 people in his congregation. 1,500 people. And... He pastored them. And this is what it looked like. He made an appointment with every one of them once a year to come to their home and listen to them, attend to them, watch them. And I read that. I read of, of this guy. And in that church, they all turned up on a Sunday And they were fearful of the pastor coming to visit in a healthy way. But they knew that he loved them. They knew it. Now, that to me strikes me as something pretty foreign today. And I'm not sure how many of us would be prepared to undergo that. But whatever it looks like, these shepherds were not doing it. Were not doing it. And I think we need people that can watch us, shepherds that can watch us, shepherds that can ask the questions. These people were not doing it. Now, how might we take these three things to watch, to gather, to care? How do we sum those up? What, what is the overall goal of a shepherd? Because for some who either don't know me very well or don't know us as a church very well, they may think our goal is just to get more people. And that's like, no way. That is just not... You just don't know me or our church very well at all. Here is our goal. It is to lead more people into worship. And that's what God wanted of the prophets, the priests and the kings to bring people to worship. Now, what do we mean by worship? Do we mean singing songs? Well, we might, but that's not all it means. It means an, an utter devotion to God. That's what it means. It means you are focused on God. Worship is an act of surrender however you express it. And so when we read in the book of Acts that the apostles and the the, the first apostles and prophets were were able to to shepherd the sheep, having Jesus just spoken to Peter, and you can imagine the, the tingling going down his spine as Jesus charged him three times, care for my sheep, tend to my lambs, love my sheep, John uh, Twenty-one. You can imagine Peter going, okay, I'm called to be a shepherd. Everything I do is called to shepherd people. I've got to do this. And what does he do? Well, we read in Acts chapter 2, about verse 44, that as Peter shepherded the church, and we know on one day there were 3,000 people saved. Now, what does shepherding look like in that instance? Does that look like, well, I'll make an appointment with each one of you, and we'll come around, we'll just have a, have a cup of tea, and we'll see how this goes. I don't think it looks like that but whatever whatever it looked like it resulted in this i think it's about verse 44 it says and they all devoted themselves to fellowship now tell me what that looks like because that creates an atmosphere of god focused worship they devoted themselves to fellowship the apostles teaching the breaking of bread and to prayer And so what's the role of a shepherd? To bring people into worship. Bring people into a focus on God. We're into verse 3 now, chapter 23, verse 3. This is what God says. And I haven't highlighted one very obvious thing here. There's an 800 pound elephant in the room. God has said, my people, my people, my people. It's not like they are the shepherd. He is the shepherd. The shepherd, as the psalmist says in Psalm 23, this is what he says Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. Notice this I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Now, I'm going to put it out there. I think that was fulfilled from the day of Pentecost. Now, there are people who read that and they read those two verses and they take a wooden literal out of context sense of that. And they say, uh-huh. This talks about Israel being restored to its land. It talks about them reinstituting temple sacrifices. It talks about them reinstituting a, a, king, uh, a kingdom with a king and reestablishing the throne of David. And, and I don't think that's what it means at all. And, I, and I, If we had the time, I'd, I'd show you that when the Bible speaks of Jesus being the son of David, it's saying that very deliberately to fulfill what Jeremiah has just prophesied. And when it talks about setting shepherds over them, it's talking about God I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but God gifting people to be shepherds, not based on who their parents were. Because you could not be, you couldn't, you know, you didn't go to school and go, what do you teach said, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, oh, I'd like to be a priest. Well, are you from the tribe of Levite? No. Well. You can't. So you didn't pick that. It was just your family destiny. But the new covenant's quite different. In the new covenant, it's not priesthood by birth. It's not kingship by birth. It's not a prophet because your dad was one. We are a kingdom of priests under the new covenant. What is a priest? A priest is someone who stands before God and people. A priest is somebody who can offer sacrifices in order to mediate the grace of God. And the Bible says that is every believer. You look at me like, does it really? Yes. Just so happens I prepared a verse that will back that up. And it says here, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, that's First Peter 2.9. In 1 Peter two eight, it actually says we are, we are priests who offer spiritual sacrifices of praise. So this morning, we've been offering a sacrifice of praise. We don't have to offer animal sacrifices anymore. And so we... We in this church want to have a shepherding spirit, a pastoral spirit. Shepherd, pastor, it's the same word. And I know that there are people who have this idea that a, a pastor is someone who looks like this. And maybe I fit into that. Maybe I don't. I, I'm, I've i got to be a pastor under God. What, is, what do I see God wants me to do? And then how do I... How do I convey that to the church so that we have every home group leader acting as a shepherd? Every department leader acting as a shepherd. Every mature believer in this church acting as a shepherd. Here's the charge to shepherds. This is in Acts chapter 20. And it highlights a couple of points that it's the Holy Spirit who calls people. It's not something you choose to do. It's not something you you just think, I think I will do this. It's, it's a call that you respond to. And the Holy Spirit can take you and make you into a shepherd, which I think, as C.H. Spurgeon said, uh, being a a pastor, if God has called you to be a pastor, never stoop to be a king. It's a high calling. Uh, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. There's that attention. Attend, watch, listen, watch over, observe, attend, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care, there's that word, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Acts 20, verse 28. Now, what does Jeremiah do in light of all this? What is he saying to the prophets, the priests, and the kings? He's prophesying at a time when it's King Zedekiah. And Zedekiah is going to, King Zedekiah is going to be the king right through to the end of the book now. And this is what he says You guys have not done it. You have failed. You, you have failed to shepherd God's people. So now, as we prepare to come into verse 5, he's going to give us a glimpse. He's going to announce the Messiah. The Messiah will be shepherd king. In verse 5, it says this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. If, if you have read your Bible through, you'll pick up little clues. There's a, there's a story going on that sounds like this. After God created Adam and Eve and, and mankind unfolded, God, God wanted to give a picture of what covenant and redemption. Covenant means an agreement between people and redemption means to rescue he wanted to give a picture of what that looks like. So this is what he did. He he chose a man from Babylon. His name was Abram uh, from the Ur of Chaldees. Chaldea, Chaldea is Babylon, and he chose this man, a Babylonian, and he he uh, he describes this in Ezekiel as as an eagle swooping down and just picking up a twig, like a life snapped off bit of twig, and planting him in. Uh, the land that became Israel. So he planted this little tree. Well, that little tree had one son, so one branch. That one branch, um, Isaac, uh, gave birth to Jacob and Esau. Esau was cut off and Jacob had 12 sons, so he got 12 branches. This, this little tree's growing into a tree, and then the 12 sons, and then they, they, they have their children, and, and it says that they were about 400 or so, or, or, sorry, 70 uh, when they went down to Egypt. And then from the 70, we, we then, the next number we get is 600,000, where it says it was 600,000 that came out on the night of the Exodus. And so this tree is now like, wow, this is a, a very tr- tree. This is a, a developing tree. And that tree is, is planted in the land of Israel. And we read of that tree being getting the name David put on it. And that tree becomes David. And, and God describes that tree as, to David, this will grow and this will be established in the ground and it will last forever. And then David's son Solomon comes along. Solomon dies. He has a son by the name of Rehoboam. Rehoboam has an, has, um, uh, he's, he's foolish and, and the tree is, is cut down the middle. And the northern ten tribes of Israel, called Ephraim are cut off from Israel they just they say we don't want any more to do with the God of Israel we're just going to do our own thing and they worship golden calves and all kinds of things so they're the 10 northern tribes and they're cut off and we come down Rehoboam and we eventually come down to Zedekiah the kind of the last king And and the Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 11 says This king, Zedekiah, would be so wicked. He eventually would just, he would be cut off. Now, what have you got if you've got a tree and you've just cut off every limb? You've got a stump. And Isaiah says in Isaiah 11, verse 1, Out of the stump shall grow a shoot. And that shoot shall grow into a tree. The book of Revelation says... Jesus Christ is the shoot out of the stump of Jesse. In Romans chapter 9, 10 and 11, it says Jesus became the tree to which you, a wild branch, were picked up and grafted into Jesus. And that tree is Israel. And the Bible calls us the true Israel of God. Galatians chapter 6. And so when... Jeremiah talks about uniting all of the house of Israel. When Romans talks about all Israel shall be saved, it's all of those in Christ shall ultimately be saved. So this expression, the righteous branch, is what is being referred to. In verse 6, In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord, and notice that that's capitals, O-R-D, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The translators, if you've got that in your Bible, the translators are trying to tell you something. This is not capital L, small O, small R, small D. This is capitals, small caps. That's because that in the Hebrew is the word Yahweh. Or if we were to pronounce it with a Hebrew accent, we'd say Yahweh. What Jeremiah is saying is this righteous branch will be God. He will be God and he will be God is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. Um, Yahweh sit can is the Hebrew. Yahweh sit can the Lord our righteousness. Now, it says in First Corinthians, chapter one, Um Verse thirty, and because of him you are in the him is the Holy Spirit. Because of him, you're in Christ Jesus, who became to us. Notice what Jesus is? Jesus is wisdom from God. Righteousness. God, our righteousness. Exactly what Jeremiah prophesied, and sanctification and redemption. Jesus Christ is the righteous branch. Now if you could get this, in order to come into heaven, and oh, I feel terrible even saying that. Because if you think Christianity is just so you can get to heaven, man, we need to have a talk. Because Christianity is about coming to know God. And I'm sure that there are some people who've become Christians because they heard this is how you go to heaven And I think if they also heard there actually is no God in heaven, they probably wouldn't be that fast. Because for them it's about heaven. It's not for me. It's about knowing God and loving God. And how many of us think it's not about the righteousness of Jesus. It's about how right I can make myself. And we whip ourselves. We beat ourselves. We do all we can To be right before our Father, who calls us, as Wendy said, his precious children. Isaiah 43, you are precious to me. How many of us get it? It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And I think some of us need to get this more than just a cute Bible memory verse. This verse keeps blood pumping through my veins. This verse keeps me in the ministry. This passage keeps me going. This verse, These two verses are profound. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And this is not your own doing. It is the will of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So here's the question. Jeremiah has just said to these kings. Josiah, who was the, the, the king when Jeremiah was called to be prophet and he died at, at the time Jeremiah was called. And his son, uh, Jeconiah, who he calls in the previous section, Coniah, one who did not look to God. And then his, his son. And now we have his, his uncle, Zedekiah; These were kings that could not care. They did not care about God. They did not care about people. And Jeremiah says, God's going to send his own king. He's going to be a righteous king. He's going to be a king that cares. He's going to be a king that gathers. He's going to be a king that watches over and listens to his people. So here's the question. Is Jesus Christ your shepherd king? Let's pray. Father Thank you. Thank you that you did send Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, you are our righteousness. You are the one in, in whom we have put our faith and our trust. Thank you. And Now, if you're here today and you know you're not, you're not enjoying peace with God, you're not in right standing with God, you are one prayer away from receiving God's invitation of forgiveness. You are one prayer away from discovering Jesus Christ can be the greatest treasure of your life. One prayer. A prayer that says, Jesus, please forgive me. Please. Not only come into my life, but help me to come into yours and help me to live for you. And Father, I pray for every one of us who names the name of Jesus as our Saviour, as our Lord. That we would make Jesus known. Oh God, help us to be people that live with Jesus as our shepherd king, I pray. Amen.
0: The righteous branch is Jesus Christ, the most wonderful shepherd. As Dr. Corbett posed the question, is Jesus Christ your shepherd king? The answer to that question has life-changing ramifications. More from Dr. Corbett next week with the Prophets of Poison podcasts and finding truth matters resources including tonight's program the righteous branch are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at lagana media p.o box 1143 lagana tasmania 7277 dr corbett is pastor of lagana christian church and president of ICI theological college australia we look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another finding truth matters